Hey guys, it's Lauren and Josh and <laughs> sorry. Anyways, um, so lately I've been doing a devotional this week or actually this past week talking about our expectations of God and what are those expectations and stuff like that. And it really has hit home for me, um, especially with uh, current situations going on in uh, our lives, specifically at mine and I guess baby brother's life right now. And so I just kind of really wanted to talk about it because it's kind of been like an epiphany for me. I don't know if an epiphany is the right word. Realization? That's, just, that's the same thing. Yeah, epiphany probably works. Um just about things going on in my spiritual life and with my expectations of God and who He is and things, perspective changes that I needed to make in my own personal spiritual life. And so this this whole week of devotions, because I was also doing a second devotion um, about hope in the hard times, and it was just weird because it seemed like they were like these two devotions, which are seemingly two different topics, were like right along with each other and what the other one was talking about and so it just it kind of like smacked me in the face like okay like there's some things I need to change in my own spiritual life to make my, I guess my life better in a sense or my spiritual life I don't know uh, so anyways that's a super long introduction about what we're gonna be talking about um, so so the first question in my devotional was what are your expectations of God describe honestly how you think God should treat you and others and you know obviously I wanted to put down like something really spiritual but that's not gonna better me in my life and so I thought about it and recently for myself I feel like I've been putting the expectation on God of being like a genie in a bottle like just answering my prayers like their wishes so essentially answering my prayers exactly how I want them which also kind of puts him in the category of me treating him like he's my slave and I'm his master which is not how that's supposed to be that's not how that relationship goes um, yeah and I'm not gonna lie I'd, I may not have a, a ton of input on this one and it's not because I don't want to talk as much as it is that this topic is just very difficult for me to kind of think about I mean even with that first question you know my my initial thought was that I don't have any expectations but I also know that can't be true just based on reality and so for me it was so much easier to give a kind of a superficial answer than it was to to give a real one and honestly when it comes to answering something like this or thinking about it the more you think about it the more you kind of fluff your answer and give a false one it's it's probably ideal or best to give one that's really from the heart or from the gut and when I started thinking about that it kind of made me realize I I do have a lot of expectations of of God and they may not even necessarily be founded in truth but there are a lot of things that I just kind of expect him to do or whether it's treating me fairly or whatever it may be and it just I, I don't feel like that's necessarily the right way to think, but it was very hard for me to kind of look at this question, whether it was just a, a gut check or hard for me to really kind of think about how I've, how I've thought about God and treated him in the past versus kind of what I think is expected of me. And then 
the other part of that question was how do you think God should treat you and others? And when I first wrote down my answer for this, I I think I put it down he I expect him to treat me good and everybody else good. But then the more I thought about that part of the question, I thought, well no, because that would make me really not selfish and the selfish part of me wants God to take care of me and make my life good. And so when someone else hurts me, even if it's a child of God, obviously I want <laughs> revenge. <laughs> um, that Well, it's not that that I never, like, pray to God, like, hurt this person. But, you know, you just, you want your feelings validated and not to have to think of the other person that hurt you. Especially if they're a Christian, you don't want to think that, oh, well, they too are a child of God. And they too deserve to be treated good by God and with love and mercy and forgiveness. And so the more I thought about that question, I was just like, well, I was like, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm like, I want God to treat me really good. But that's obviously a very selfish way to uh, put, that's like you want you sit there and preach that God loves everyone, but then really that's just you wanting God to love just you and not everyone else. Yeah, I kind of touched on it with the answer to my first question too, but I, my initial response to this question was that I expected or wanted God to treat me fairly or to answer the prayers in the way that I expect them to be answered or to give me what I want essentially. Um, and then it, I kind of stepped back and thought about it and realized that my definition of me being treated fairly by God may be completely out of bounds compared to what he feels is fair or what he thinks is best for me. Um, and that, I don't know, it's just weird to think about it that way because something that I want may not be what's best for me in the time or may not be what's best for me in the long run, but I can't see that because I'm just me and I'm just human and I'm narrow-minded and I'm selfish and I'd, I want what I want, but you know, my wants and desires may not be in line with what God wants and desires, and it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and so the next question goes on, asking you to be honest again, do your expectations match up with who you know God to be? Do your expectations allow room for God to be God? What do your expectations say about your view of who God is? And this question really hit home with me because... I realized that um, along with the other devotion that I was doing, because it was also talking about um, us really knowing who God is, it made me realize that when we have these expectations of essentially him being like a genie in a bottle or answering my prayers as exactly how I commanded, that's, that's not who God is. That's not who he really is. He didn't promise us an easy life or a good life to our expectations. You know, I have a good life. Even after all the crap that I've gone through, God has always, I felt like God has always been there for me to help pick up the pieces. And so to me, that's still having a good life. It just might not be exactly how I expected it to be. And I think that's where our perspectives kind of need to be changed because I found that here recently with a lot of stuff that we've been going through that I've been disappointed because of my expectations, my expectations of who I think God is. And I don't think I've been, 
really letting God fully be who he truly is. Um, like, for example, when Lily had to have heart surgery, we found out we were believing for miraculous healing. And the thing about it was, is I still to this day believe that God could have miraculously healed her heart 100%. But I got disappointed because I left no room for God essentially to be who he is and who he decided. I just decided that's how God was going to heal her in any other way was not going to be good enough for me. And I might have, I definitely don't remember actually ever speaking that out loud, but when our daughter, they finally come back and told us, well, your daughter's in the recovery room, I thought, well... There goes uh, the miraculous healing. I thought there was still a chance. They'd crack her open and go, holy crap, her heart's perfectly fine. We scrapped open her chest for no reason. Um, and that didn't happen. And so it kind of hit home with me that, okay, God was definitely not healing her miraculously um, when they said she was in the recovery room. And so that was a big disappointment for me because of the expectation that I had put on God. Not that I didn't believe he couldn't do it, but the expectation that I put on him that that's the only way, he, like, that's how he had to do it, and that was the only way he could do it for me to be satisfied. Yeah, and that's, that's totally fair, and it, it kind of goes back to, do your expectations match up with who you know God to be? My answer to that was both yes and no, which made it a, a very confusing and tricky question for me. I would say yes, because... God can be and is fair and just, but in what context, you know? So he may be fair and just in ways that don't directly show me his fairness or his ability to provide justice in my life directly in the way that I want it. That has nothing to do with whether or not he is being fair or just in that moment or with his decision. So like with Lily's heart surgery, you know, we we were definitely believing and hoping for a miraculous healing. We didn't get that. She still got completely healed, but by the hands of a gifted surgeon. And for all we know, years down the road, any a small interaction that we didn't think anything about that we may have had with him or a doctor or somebody who was at that hospital in that day could have a big impact on their lives down the road or make them better people or introduce God to them if they didn't know who he was before. And so... It, it definitely feels like your expectations of God and kind of what you want him to do, it, no matter how you look at them, can definitely be viewed in a, in a sh selfish light. And we, we can't put him inside of a box because it's a box that we constructed, but he doesn't have any constraints. Yeah, and if we, if we put these expectations on God, and then, you know, essentially what Josh said, we put God in a box, we then don't allow God to be who he is and because had we have gotten, weirdly enough, I didn't get super disappointed after Nova passed away as far as my expectations go. Um, I think that was just something a part of like the supernatural peace that God had given me in that moment. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't still question God and that sort of thing. But, um, but when you come back to give birth to your second child... And you have nurses and doctors who come up to you who you might have not even ever met. And they tell you, or when your mom is in the hospital, that's another one. Two separate situations. My mom was in the hospital 
another one when I was, I, was give, I was giving birth, nurses and doctors came up to my mom and myself and told us about how they knew mine and my husband's story with Nova and how we had presented so much strength to them and how they're just in awe of our faith and that sort of thing. And to think that maybe just one of those people got, you know, saved or their faith got better is something that couldn't have happened had I put God in a box and not allowed him to work through my life through such a really crappy situation. And so it's like things like that when you you take those expectations down and you don't get disappointed so to say when you don't get when you don't get exactly what you want that you can see this magical thing happen that maybe sometimes doesn't necessarily involve you but it's because of something that happened with you and it would have only happened it because of it only happened because of you taking God out of that little box that you put him in yeah and taking a step back for just a second because she brought up an interesting point I I didn't even think anything about the the nurses you know remembering us and remembering how I guess strong we were in that time, even though I, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like I was being <laughs> strong at all. But it's interesting to note that even when you don't think people are paying attention or seeing the small yeah. things that you're doing, they they definitely are. And so I guess the world's watching. Being strong in your faith and believing and just doing your your best to I don't know do the right thing. Everybody says it all the time, but I mean that's proof positive right there that even though I didn't feel strong and even though I felt very weak and very broken and I wanted to be angry that somebody was paying attention and remembered and remembered us, you know, a year and a half down the line and brought that up to us and talked about how strong we were as parents and how good parents we were. It was just really cool to have that interaction. Yeah. And so I read scripture in Daniel three and if you, most of you, if you grew up around church, you know exactly what story that I'm going to be talking about. And it's about the three Hebrew boys who got thrown into the furnace. And after reading this with a different perspective, because I read the story all the time and just think, oh, wow, like they had such great faith. But then when looking at it through the perspective of their expectations of God, it really opened my eyes up. And so for people who don't know that story, long story short, there were three Hebrew boys who were actually mm -hmm. like in like the king's something. They're kind of like high up. There's a whole like backstory to that. You have to like read all through like Daniel and stuff like that to really know the full backstory. But and then there's King Nebuchadnezzar and he decided that he was going to make this great big golden idol. Um, I, it doesn't... Uh, specifically say that it was an image of him but it said it was an image of something and it was an idol and that when all the music played that everyone must bow down and worship just in some of the translations when you translate them back it means like worship worship like fall down to your knees crying and praising this thing and some people caught the Hebrew boys not bowing to this idol when the music played and so they went and told the king which got him super angry and so he brought the three Hebrew boys to talk to him and was asking them to defend themselves uh, against these accusations as if they weren't really true I guess he wanted to believe that there wasn't there wasn't anyone out there that would not follow his command I guess and the verses 16 through 18 are really 
the ones I want to focus on, but it kind of helps if you read a little bit before that. Um, and so it's in verse 15, but I'm kind of skipping like half of the stuff. But it says, um, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or a Billy go, ah, sorry, that's a, whoop, I dropped the book. Um, that's a church joke. <laughs> Reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So essentially, these three Hebrew, three Hebrew, Hebrew boys, goodness gracious, knew that God could save them and could keep them from burn, burning up into the furnace, but they didn't put that expectation on them. They let the king know that if they get thrown into there and they die, it won't be in vain because they are going to serve their God and they will, they will die in honor of their God and their faith. And that's kind of how we're supposed to be in our everyday lives. Like, not expecting God to constantly, I guess, pull us out of our crap. I mean, he's always there, and he promises to guide you and love you and comfort you and give you supernatural peace and give you rest when your body needs rest. But he never promises just to, you know, it's like when people say, their parents tell them, like, I'm not going to bail you out of prison. Like, I want you to sit in there and learn a lesson, you know? God's just not going to pull you out of every situation, bad situation, because then you would never learn a lesson and you would never become the person that you are today in this moment, especially for me, or at least me. Um, I, there, There's a ton of lessons that I would have missed had I just God just pulled me out of all of those situations. Yeah, I mean, after Nova passed away, I, I was kind of rocked in my core and I'm a completely different person now than I was then. I I'm not going to say that I'm always a better person now than I was then because I don't think that's the case, but I know that going through something like that molded me into the person I am now and definitely, you know, made me a bit more assertive and a bit stronger. I feel like it made me a better leader in the long run and it just made me less afraid to take chances and to leap into the unknown um, and just kind of gave me the strength to understand that I may fail and I may make mistakes, but you know, you, you have to live your best life and do the best that you can. And you have to take those shots and those chances um, because you're, I mean, and I know it's cliche, but you're really not guaranteed a tomorrow and having to, you know, see my daughter go through that just completely shaped me into the person I am today and altered the course of my life for sure. And um, so what, so how all of this affected me this past week and upcoming week is, um, I think it was Thursday, I got the phone call from my doctor's office that I did not pass my one-hour glucose test. And if you don't know what that is, that is a test that when you're pregnant um, to see if you have gestational diabetes. And gestational diabetes is essentially where a pregnant woman gets diabetes temporarily. And it has a lot of as long as you manage it, for the most part, everything will be okay, but it does have some scary stuff to it. Um, the baby can gain a lot of excess weight and become bigger, get stuck in the birth canal, 
and that sort of thing. They can have uh, breathing issues when after they're born because of it. They can have glucose problems like um, maintaining their sugar levels because of it and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the mom, the pregnant mom, if she can't manage it with that, then she has to start taking insulin shots. But for the most part, for the majority percentage of women that get gestational diabetes, nothing ever happens. You know, they just go on the diet, they check their sugar, and then their baby's born healthy, everybody's healthy, and then they don't have to ever think about it again. But there's a small percentage, and I'm not quite sure, the one article I read said 7%, not 100% sure if that's the actual, like, correct number, but I would imagine still, just you know, a rather small amount of women who have gestational diabetes end up having complications um, because of the gestational diabetes, which is the, the baby gaining a lot of weight, getting stuck in the birth canal, and that sort of thing. And I had gestational diabetes with Nova, and I fell into that small percentage of women that had complications. Supposedly, we, we don't know 100% sure. We never got an autopsy done with Nova, so we can't pinpoint the exacts of why she passed away, but one of the theories of why she passed away is because I had gestational diabetes and I got so large that she got stuck, because she did get stuck, I pushed for three hours and ended up having to have four nurses hop on top of me and try and physically push out my child while the doctor pulled herself and it was very traumatic, but and then somewhere in that process, she possibly got an infection, possibly from that. And that's kind of where it's like the unknown. We don't know if she got it because of that, because of her getting stuck, or she got it after. Um, so that's not 100% sure. So when I got the call that I not only didn't pass the one-hour glucose test, I did not pass it um, like, I passed, or I didn't pass, I failed it pretty badly. I'm like, <laughs> uh, so I technically can still pass with the three-hour test, where if I pass two out of three of my sugar tests in a three-hour span, then I don't have gestational diabetes, and it was just kind of a little bit of a fluke. But if I fail, or no, yeah. Yeah, so if I fail more than one, then I have gestational diabetes. And with my history and with me just checking my sugars right now, there's a really big chance that I have gestational diabetes again. And so that's putting a lot of fears on me and bringing back a lot of scary moments for myself. I, When I first found out, I started having a lot of panic attacks because I felt like I was going through... Nova all over again and what I went through with her and ironically I read Daniel 3 the day that I I got that call and it just kind of opened my eyes the people that asked and I told them you know what was going on they're like oh well God's gonna keep you from getting getting gestational diabetes and everything's gonna be okay but I got to thinking about it like what makes like, God, yes, God can keep me from getting gestational diabetes, but my expectations of God are not to, like, what did I do? I didn't do anything to deserve him to magically, because <laughs> trying to get my thoughts out without sounding, like, all over the place. Um, at first, I was thinking, you know, I've already went through this with Nova, and I'm going through hard times with Lily with her heart surgery and stuff, and I'm a good person. I don't deserve to get gestational diabetes again. I deserve an easy pregnancy. 
And then I, I got to thinking, and I'm like, well, those are expectations. They're not promises of God. You know, God didn't promise me that uh, all this, everything would come easy for me. And so when I changed that, that spiritual aspect, and I just, I told God that whatever happens, I know that he's going to be there to guide me and love me and give me rest if I'm having panic attacks and stuff like that because there's going to be a lot of decisions that I have to make if I have gestational diabetes about my health and about baby brother's health and just making sure that everything goes as healthy as possible so baby brother is born and healthy and we don't go through what we did with Nova again and so it's really scary but I decided I wasn't going to put those expectations on God that He's going to magically take away gestational diabetes from me because I'm just a good enough person and that's what God should do. Instead, I'm going to trust God that he's going to show me what path I need to take with the results I get. So if I get the results that I honestly don't want, he's going to help give me the wisdom and knowledge to make the best decisions for not only my health but baby brother's health. And he's going to give me peace and comfort in those moments where I'm totally freaking out <laughs> um, and that's that's just how that's I don't know so that's just been my big epiphany or realization my big what hit home with me it's just so funny that this devotional went with me getting such bad news yeah this one's mostly about her yeah um, <laughs> I I kind of fell into this and decided to read through it and see if anything jumped out at me or, you know, I had an epiphany of my own. So I'm definitely still working on figuring out what I've learned from this outside of just, you know, being with her and understanding with her and through her that at the end of the day, everything's within a plan and everything's going to be okay. And we're not really in control of this situation. We, we can't make demands and we can't tell God what he's going to do. Um, we just have to believe that, whatever's going on in our lives is for the best for us, whether it be what we think is best for us or not. And we don't really have a lot of room to argue. We can be angry and upset and sullied up about it. And if you want to go that route, that's fine. Um, I'm going to choose to be positive and to believe that what's happening right now is in God's plan and what's best. And that, you know, we're not promised that no harm will come to us and that's fine. But I, I honestly just believe he's looking out for us and for the best for us um, and I, I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah, and I don't, well, I don't think gestational diabetes necessarily is a part of God's plan for me. I think that's part of circumstances of us living in a fallen world, but what God can do through that and with that, He can do great things. He can show His glory through those circumstances by being with me and guiding me and loving me and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so this is uh, my journey right now. I'm kind of an emotional wreck. Well, I'm not really an emotional wreck. Not now. <laughs> I was. Uh, but God's giving me a lot of peace. I go this Wednesday to get my three-hour test done, and whatever happens, happens, and God's going to guide me and help me make the right decisions that need to be made. And everything's everything's gonna be okay even if it's not like my okay like exactly how I want it to be it's it's going to be okay we're gonna we're gonna make it having gestational diabetes 
and what may come of it isn't going to kill me. Like, if I can make it through the death of one of my children, I think I can make it through anything, really. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're trying anyway. <laughs> um, so, the whole, I mean, I guess the whole reason why I wanted to share this is because I want other people to, you know, in case your eyes need to be open, in case you're putting these great expectations uh, on God of, essentially giving yourself false hope because if you're expecting God to be this like genie in a bottle then that's false hope and you're giving yourself false hope and possibly giving others false hope and it just it is a vicious cycle of just continuously being disappointed in your spiritual life because you're going to constantly think well God's never answering any of my prayers when in reality sometimes even a no or not hearing anything is an answer to a prayer Yep, and I'll wrap up with this. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but everybody always says God won't give you more than you can take, and you can search anywhere in the Bible you want. It's not in there. That's not biblical. He won't give you more temptation than you can handle, but that is entirely different than not giving you more than you can handle, like emotionally or whatever. That fall Temptation falls under, like, if you have an addiction to, like, alcohol and drugs kind of a thing. Um you won't be tempted more than what you can handle. But yeah, so because definitely losing your child is way harder than you can handle. And I totally would have been okay if God would just took me up to heaven right then and there. Just saying. Um, but he didn't. So I'm having to push through this life. Uh, but anyway, so I, I just wanted, I guess, to give hope to other people and help open their eyes in case, you know, you have been getting a lot of disappointments. Maybe... It's something with you and and less with God because that tends to be my biggest problem is it's always dealing with me <laughs> and not with him and um, and this just reading all of this and changing the way I think and my perspectives and my spiritual life have really given me a lot more hope and I'm I'm gonna make it like it's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay it might be stressful and it might be scary but I'm going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Yep. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit today. We're still pretty new at this. So if you have any feedback or any suggestions, you know where to find us. Um, either way, I hope you guys have a great day. Yep. Have a great day and God bless.